Hi, I'm Adam. And I'm Rose. And welcome to the Jewish Disability Services, Together We Make an Impact podcast. In today's episode, we learn about workability and have two great conversations. The first with Nantini Kopstein, a parent advocate, and Karen Marks, who is the Director of Supported Employment with JFCS. We are very excited to have you listening and joining us on this journey. We hope you enjoy it. This episode of the Jewish Disability Services Together We Make an Impact podcast was made possible by our sponsor, the Jewish Community Foundation. We thank you for your commitment to making an impact in the disability community. Hello, everybody. It's so nice to see you and be here together to have this conversation. I'm Adam Roth, Director of Special Needs for the Jewish Federation of Southern New Jersey, and I'm here with my co-host. Hi, I'm Rose Greenblatt, and I'm an occupational therapist, and I'm very excited to be here. Awesome. So for our first conversation today, we are welcome. We are welcoming uh, Nantini Kopstein, who is a powerhouse parent advocate. And Nantini, could you take a little bit of time to introduce yourself uh, to our audience? Yes, of course. Uh, I'm happy to share with you uh, some of my lived experiences as a parent of Monica a 35-year-old with cognitive and developmental disabilities. My name is Nantani Kopstein, pronounced she, her, and I've lived in Mercer County for the past 37 years. A native of Thailand, I came to the United States in 1969. So back to Monica. Her journey from school to adult life informs me of the crucial role of individual and family engagements in the transition to employment, greater self-sufficiency, community inclusion, and independent living. Individual advocacy can only go so far. It takes not just a village, but the entire community to turn our common goals to reality. My opinion does not necessarily represent the views of any organizations of which I am a member. These include the New Jersey chapter of APSE, APSE, or Association of People Supporting Employment First, and the New Jersey Council on Developmental Disabilities. For advocacy, I also draw on my professional career and education as an economist. My advocacy has largely focused on the people with disabilities path to competitive integrated employment. It's a full mouthful, but It means having a well-paid job in the community, and that provides a foundation for greater financial self-sufficiency. It also builds personal and professional network for people which may lead to a particular career path. Employees with disabilities may learn new things about themselves and grow uh, personally and professionally. Working helps one being engaged meaningfully in the community. 
it also tends to improve one's physical and mental health. So I like to say that um, working is one of the best free rehabilitation for many people. And for Monica, that is the case. Monica's experience as a full-time employee supports all the above benefits of working. Thank you. Nantani, I really appreciate your introduction and the background that you're sharing with our audience. Um, This, I think, leads really well into the legislation we're talking about, workability, which has been signed into law. So can you describe a little bit about what workability is and why it matters to you? New Jersey workability um, is one of the pathways for qualified New Jerseyans with disabilities who work to have full Medicaid coverage. So it is a Medicaid waiver that is crucial for these individuals because federal laws allow workability enrollees to have incomes and assets above the typical Medicaid limits, which are usually very low. So workability effectively helps more New Jerseyans with disabilities to achieve their career goals by working more hours or by accepting higher paying jobs. In short, workability allows people with disabilities to work without having to choose between working and maintaining the benefits, which can literally keep them alive. And that's really, really crucial. I think if you don't have the experience, it's hard to imagine that some people have to be in situation to make this choice. So New Jersey is one of 46 states which offers such a Medicaid, special Medicaid waiver also known generally as Medicaid buy-in program to workers with disabilities. Two federal laws, the Balanced Budget Act of 1998 and the Ticket to Work and Work Incentives Improvement Act of 1999, together give states flexibility in designing their programs to benefit workers with disabilities by maximizing work incentives in their states. So for New Jersey, from its start in February 2001, New Jersey Workability operates under the authority of the Ticket to Work Act, which generally gives states more flexibility than the Balanced Budget Act with respect to income and asset eligibility and exclusion rules. However, the Ticket to Work Act imposes the upper age limit of 64 on Medicaid buy-in programs enrollees. But the Balanced Budget Act does not have any upper age limit on programs enrollees. So the new workability law 
enacted on Feb on January 10, 2022, over a year ago, removes income, asset, and age limits. It also excluded spousal incomes and assets from the applicant's financial eligibility determination. So effectively removing the marriage penalty. And finally, workability enrollees who have lost their jobs for no fault of their own would be allowed to keep benefit coverage for one year after job loss. In other words, they don't have to get off Medicaid uh, eligibility right away. So what this means is that the new law allows unemployed workability enrollees to focus on job search and or skill enhancement in order to return to work. Now, let me say that it, it sounds easy to apply for make Medicaid and go off and on, but it's not so easy. It's really time consuming and it, it weighs heavily on people's, people's um, attention. Yes, I am very grateful for all of the details that you bring to light because, you know, thinking about marriage equality, it's not truly marriage equality if people with disabilities can't marry without losing access to life-sustaining services. And being able to continue working after 64 and remaining engaged is so critical. Is there any chance that you know around how many people the state is expecting to enroll after once this program is fully enacted? You know, as this expansion is in place? So I only can go by information that I I have officially because uh, I'm not an employee of the state, but from official information there are roughly 6,000 or so workability enrollees. And as you know, um, there is a continued Medicaid coverage during the pandemic and so on. But anyhow, that is also an evolving and a changing landscape. So, but the program expansion could add significantly more people who will benefit from working while maintaining full Medicaid coverage. In particular, a large number of individuals who receive social security benefits based on their parents' work records, which may exceed the old workability's limit on unearned income, would be eligible for workability after the new law has been fully implemented. Now, the current limit of unearned income is only 100% of the federal poverty level. And that's roughly like, and that's roughly 1,140 or 60 per month um, at any rate. Uh, but usually uh, benefits based upon parents' work records, whether they are retired or passed away or um, disabled, uh, can easily exceed that limit. And this is the one single uh, factor that 
hold people back from entering the workforce. So I think this this is the probably the most consequential impact of workability expansion, but it has to still be implemented, which requires the centers of Medicare and Medicaid services to, to approve program changes. Yes, yes. Um, this really seems like it's going to be a game changer for a lot of people out there and hopefully a lot of our listeners. If someone's interested in getting on the waiting list for once the expansion is enacted, do you know where they can go to sign up to gain access to this program? So application for workability is through county's boards of social services. Um, And there is an online application, which is 32 pages long. So hopefully once the implementation um, is partially or fully uh, completed, you know, that that number of pages could be reduced. And that's one of the reasons why we wanted to make changes. So the state Medicaid office also would have to provide technical assistance to county boards of social services so that they are familiar with the changes so that the promise of the new law will be realized. Um, But as mentioned, the state Medicaid office must obtain approvals from the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid to make changes in the program. So that's still work in progress. And we advocates have continued to uh, to to convince the state Medicaid office that timing is of the essence, especially now um, with the changing landscape of um, of the pandemic, the uh, linking and so on of continuous coverage. Okay, I will not go there because it's an evolving landscape, but timing is of the essence. Yes. And at the end, we will be giving our listeners some next steps that they can do to express that they're interested in this program and they value it. And hopefully that will help move this great effort along. I think that's really great, great idea. And thank you for for that initiative, Rose. You're very, very welcome and honored to be able to help out in this way. Um, So yourself, you are a powerhouse parent advocate. What would you want people to know, people with disabilities, caregivers, professionals, to know about getting involved in statewide legislative activism? What words of wisdom do you have from your years of advocating? So I would say conversation, having conversation. So in a way, um, what advocates have been able to achieve thus far in New Jersey you could call it a silver lining of the pandemic because when we don't get when we couldn't get into our automobiles to drive places we spend more time talking to people and uh, some common ideas um, barriers recognition and uh, plans became involved that was how this came about 
So as a result, uh, and I will just get to the outcome first, and then we'll work backwards. Um, all state legislators from both parties in both legislative chambers chambers unanimously voted for the uh, workability legislation um, because they understood the importance of workability expansion and its benefit to the state and the disability community. Now, this is huge because, as you know, in New Jersey, it's very hard to achieve that single unified uh, approval from our legislators. Um, this visionary legislation was a win-win-win game changer. And it was an outcome of tireless advocacy and collaboration of multiple disability organizations and community. So the Disability Action Committee, through Rose's leadership, made a strong outreach efforts to all state legislators. I remember in the winter of um, 2021, Rose spent a lot of time on the computer to make this happen. And all advocacy voices in New Jersey, regardless of our different, uh, where we all came from, became unified through these efforts. So, but I think it all worked because of the collaboration. Absolutely. And I think this is a great time to take a moment. First off, thank you for recognizing my work. I was not expecting that. Um, to recognize how powerful it is that in today's day and age, we got unanimous bipartisan support on something that helps people. And I think you know, that evidence is such a powerful thing for the future of our community and our country that I really hope we follow it wholeheartedly. Um, one thing that, you know, on the note of collaboration that's worth bringing up is breaking down silos. This is something that we've talked about a lot in the Disability Action Committee and other spaces that even on the governor's website to contact him, there's only developmental disabilities listed, not general disabilities. Yet this legislation impacts people with developmental disabilities, acquired disabilities of all types. And I am really hopeful that through our efforts of working together and making space and sharing stories, we can break down these silos and unite for further meaningful action that is nonpartisan that will really elevate us all. So I think on that note, I'm curious what you see as a local parent advocate, the disability rights movement, how you might imagine it evolving in the next five years. Yes, it, it's, really, um, it's really a good question. And thank you for leading into this, this, this very crucial question of the future. I think that employment space is one that uh, that 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 can benefit from um, strong collaborative advocacy because many people are still working at subminimum wage in segregated settings. 
and federal laws, one at least one federal law allows organizations to pay um, people with disabilities subminimum wage. So um, the changes have to happen at the federal level, but it can also happen at the state level because um, over over more than dozen states have done away with subminimum wage employment and segregation. And I think that uh, there's a basis in the federal legislation that says that public funding cannot be used or should not cannot be used for um, segregated employment and subminimum wage employment. So I think that this is really a pathway um, that disability rights movement could benefit people because employment is such an important um, element that allow people to do a lot more um, commensurate with their interests and um, would allow them to contribute more to their communities. I appreciate that. Uh, before I let you go, Nantani, I want to acknowledge all of the other groups that helped with the collaboration for workability. I feel that, you know, I helped cheerlead and move it on, but this is something that's been in the works for many years since before I came in the picture. And I applaud you and the other advocates that have been in it for the long haul. Um, is there anything else that yeah. Is there anything else that you want to share with us before we let you get back to your full and beautiful life? Well, I wish I could say that our work on workability is finally realized, but full implementation remains unfinished. And advocates still get together to... Uh, to make sure that it happens, we still and I, I would, I would encourage uh, your members and any other uh, individuals and organizations to help us uh, to ensure that full implementation takes place. The state Medicaid office is really the gatekeeper in this regard. Uh, and as I mentioned, it's really the, uh, I, I think the um, expansion with respect to unearned income would really um, allow more, a large number of people to benefit from um, the new law. And that remains um, uncharted as far as the plan and the timeline um as far as i know so that's still we still get together to 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 map a course to ensure full implementation yes this is and adam and i have discussed this in planning especially with workability this is an initial conversation this is something we plan to revisit and continue updating our listeners on um Thank you so much for your time and your insight. I really appreciate you joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure.
I'm thrilled to be joined by my colleague, Karen Marks, from the Samos Jewish Family and Children's Service of Southern New Jersey, an agency of the Jewish Federation of Southern New Jersey. Karen, thank you for being here. Can you please share with our listeners what your role is in the Disability Services Department of JFCS and perhaps what your average day might look like? Sure. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. Um, and I found that other conversation so enlightening because workability definitely ties into the clients we work with um, and their future as well. So that was great. Um, I'm happy to share information about the Disability Services Department at JFCS. My role is manager of supported employment, and I will say that every day is different. Um, first, I'll explain a little bit about how supported employment works. Our goal is to work with clients with disabilities to find meaningful employment. JFCS is a vendor of the Division of Vocational Rehabilitation, known as DVR, and the Division of Developmental Disabilities, known as DDD. They send us clients whose goals are to work independently in what is known as competitive or paid employment. And this is full, at least full minimum wage. When we get a new client, I will assign the client to a member of our team of dedicated employment specialists. And then they will begin with an intake meeting with the client and their family to get to know them, their interests, their backgrounds, their dream jobs. Um, and I will say each client is unique. The client may come with a specific job goal or, or sometimes not. Sometimes they, have, they don't know what they want to do, and we will help them figure that out um, in, in a variety of ways. We might give them interest inventories. Um, we might take them into the community to do assessments. And fortunately, within JFCS, Federation, and the JCC, we have many opportunities to do so. We can take them to, we have a, a JFCS food pantry um, where we can assess their sorting and packing skills. We can take them to JFCS offices to assess clerical and office skills, um, the JCC to assess childcare skills. Um, so many avenues. They, they also can observe at our JFCS has a culinary training program called Soups and Sweets, um, where which is a six month program um, training someone to to work in a, in a certified kitchen. Um, we also have lots of relationships with employers in the area where we can, you know, bring someone for a few hours just to, to try it out and see, see how they like it. So as you can see, there really are a lot of avenues where we get to know the client and what their interests are. Um, once a goal is obtained, our employment specialist will work with them, with the client, on their resume and spend a lot of time doing interview prep and role-playing. And this is something that goes on. It's not like they just do it once. They may you know, do the interview prep and then they have an interview two weeks later, we'll do it again and again and you know, really get them used to talking positively about themselves and about their background. Um, the employment specialist helps with searching for the job with doing applications and we'll go on the interview. A lot of our clients, this might be the first time they've ever been on an interview and we will go with them, um, you know, if, if they want us to or need us to. Um, once a job is, is obtained, we provide job coaching at the work site until the job is learned. And we can do this for as long as it might take. Um, for some people, it might be a few days. For others, it might be a month or two or longer. Um, 
once the client can work independently without a coach, we fade out. Um, however, we don't leave. We still check in on them, usually about three hours a month, and we can always get more hours if needed. Um, so, for example, if someone is learning something new and needs more support, we can help them. Um, that being said, we do have a lot of clients who've had long-term jobs and we, um, we call it graduating them from the program where they're so independent, they don't need us at all anymore. So, um, you know, that happens too. And that's a great feeling uh, when that does happen. Um, back to your question about my day. <laughs> um, it, it, it varies so much each day. Um, I might be meeting with a staff member, one of our employment specialists. Um, I might be in, a, we have meetings to go over specific cases, um, have presenters on a variety of supported employment topics. Um, I do have a client base of my own that I go visit and coach, meet with the DVRS office managers and um, do networking for more employment opportunities. Just the other day, I was at Jefferson Stratford where I met with their food services recruiter to discuss opportunities for clients who have attended JFCS's culinary training program. I also assist with planning for those clients who might need more support on the job, so, who have a DDD budget, which can give them some more avenues for support, um, both at work and in other areas of their lives. Um, I talk and give guidance to families about support and employment. Uh, right now, I'm starting to get involved in planning our annual vocational breakfast, which will take place on May 5th at the JCC. And this is a very exciting event because we honor the clients and companies that have been successful in becoming independent workers. Um, we're also currently working on a proposal for providing assessments to clients with traumatic brain injuries. Wow, Karen, thank you for sharing all that you do within the Disability Services Department. Um, it certainly seems like there's never a dull moment. I'm sure that your clients and families alike are so thankful for your dedication and the work that you do. You know, you had mentioned workability and during the beginning of our conversation, we talked about New Jersey workability, which in short offers people with disabilities who are working and whose income would otherwise make them ineligible for Medicaid, the opportunity to receive full Medicaid coverage. With that being said, what have you found to be one of the most significant challenges or barriers to meaningful and lasting employment opportunities for individuals with disabilities? Well, along those lines with benefits, that is a very um, big barrier because a lot of our clients and their families, they really don't know what they're allowed. Um, and they're afraid that they can't work at all. They're afraid they can't work, make over a certain amount of money. Um, and these might be people who, you know, only want to work 20 hours, but because minimum wage keeps going up, they think that that 20 hours might put them above and they'll lose all their government benefits, um, which is not true. So what we've done is we've implemented in our department, we have one of our employment specialists um, whose name also is Karen. We, she's a certified benefits counselor. Um, so what she will do is um, DVR, the agency that that we work with will send her clients. They have to go through DVR, but people who need help navigating the whole benefit situation, she will work with them on that. Um, and in a lot of cases that's concurrently while we're also working with them on finding employment. Um, I think another challenge is that employers just aren't aware 
of all the support that can be provided for a person with a disability. Not only initially in obtaining the job, but how we were able to provide ongoing guidance and services. Um, for example, someone who has autism might not want to eat with others, and it's just as simple as arranging for them to eat their lunch in another area. Um, some clients need a daily checklist to follow to, to more clearly understand what their duties are, and we can provide that. The employer doesn't have to do anything where we will provide that and make sure that you know they're, they're straight on what they need to do. Um, and we also, a lot of, a lot of clients just, um, a lot of the, the companies we work with just need an education on the best way to speak to someone with a disability. They don't know or, or they're afraid. And so we provide a lot of education to the employers, coworkers, just on better ways to communicate with someone um, with our clients. Karen, thank you. That is such a powerful moment to ensure that we're continuing the education beyond our staff and our community, but to our business partners uh, so that they can truly make a difference. I've, I've often found that many of our community business partners uh, want to do good and want to do the right thing, but oftentimes are unsure how to achieve that. So I congratulate and applaud you and your agency for ensuring that our community is, is better, better informed and, and more inclusive. So thank you for that. Um, I wanted to ask you a, a more personal question right now. Um, what makes you passionate and keeps you motivated to making a difference in the disability community? I mean, it's really all about the clients we serve. Um, there's there's nothing like improving the quality of life for someone. Um, finding the right job has such an impact on someone's daily life and provides so much empowerment to them. And, you know, it, it just, to do that makes me feel so good and makes my department feel so good because it's changing someone's life. Um, we have one young man who just celebrated his 10th anniversary at a local company, and he's very quiet and you know diligent. He works as a file clerk, and he's busy with papers and files all over his desk all day long, full time. And the office has become his second family. Um, they acknowledge how he has changed their work culture and all of them for the better. And we hear this often that the, the employer themselves, they're like, wow, this person changed my life, you know, see, working with them and seeing what they do. And it, it's meaningful for everybody. Um, another client recently began working at the circulation desk at the Cherry Hill Library. Uh, perfect fit for her as she loves reading and helping others. She recently has been offered an additional day of work, bringing her close to her goal of full-time employment. Um, and most recently, um, one of our clients who was working in Philadelphia prior to the pandemic started working at Federation where he's doing a variety, and I mean a variety, <laughs> of scanning and filing projects. And I have to thank you, Adam, because you helped make that happen. So it has been such great. a wonderful asset to our, our organization, and it, it really warms my heart that, that we can be a model for our community. Yeah, so thank you. Um, you know, and also just because JFCS offers so many other programs, we're able to work with somebody in other areas of their life. So a lot of our clients who are looking for employment, they attend um, JFCS's Tops Day program, the Sales Social program, SOAR Social program. Um, we might refer someone on to our counseling department, 
family assistance program. So it's really nice that we have so many other programs to offer that a lot of our supported employment clients can use. Karen, it is amazing what you're doing on a daily basis and and truly our, our community is better because you're a part of it. So thank you so much for your dedication. If our listeners right now wanted to reach out to you personally or to learn more about supported employment opportunities, what would be the best way for someone to connect with you and your agency? Sure. Well, they can go to the JFCS website and click under Disability Services, and they'll learn about all of our programs, including supported employment. Um, they can call me at 856-424-1333, extension 1170, or they can call Oriel Weinberg, who's our Director of Disability Services, at 856 424 1333 extension 1152. They can also contact their local DVR office, um, Division of Vocational Rehabilitation um, in West Hampton. That would serve Burlington County. The number is 609-518-3948. And in Cherry Hill, which serves Camden County, it's 856-549-0500. And if somebody's looking for additional supports through DDD, the number is 856-770-5900. Karen, thank you for so much information to share with our audience and our listeners. It is so appreciated. Can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy day to make sure that our community is more well-informed on what supported employment means and ways that they can help those in our community. So thank you again. Thank you so much for having me. And, you know, we really are here to help in any way we can. Amazing. Thank you. So we got so much great information on workability and programs in our area. If workability is something that you think will make our community better and you want to see it implemented sooner rather than later, there's a few things that you can do. First, it's a good time now to go to njledge.state.nj.us and find out who your local representative is and send them an email and introduce yourself and say, hi, my name is blank. I live in your district and this legislation that passed is really important to me. You can look up if they voted for it and thank them that they voted yes. And if not, it's a great opportunity to educate. Um, the other thing that we can do is reach out to Governor Murphy's office. Currently, the law is in the Office of Implementation. It's taking some time to get through, but they're working very hard. And we're really trying to foster an energy that is positive and full of gratitude. So we are strongly encouraging reaching out to Governor Murphy's office and saying, hey, we heard about workability and we think it's going to make our community better. Thank you for investing resources to implement this. We really look forward to seeing this put into action. Thank you everyone for listening to the Jewish Disability Services. Together we make an impact podcast. Rose and I hope you will continue to follow our conversations. And until next time, this episode of the Jewish Disability Services Together We Make an Impact podcast was made possible by our sponsor, the Jewish Community Foundation. We thank you for your commitment to making an impact in the disability community. 